I'm Keaton. I'm Laura. So we are combining three of the things we love, podcast and then story and breakfast. And specifically, we're looking at the biggest story. We tend to read the Bible like it's something boring, um, a little more mechanical, when in truth it's full of all kinds of complicated characters and plenty of room for the imaginative. Uh, we're hoping that this could open up the way we read these stories, that we would see the people in them as real people and that that might help us connect to maybe God is real too, if the characters are real. We're going to look at a bunch of different stories in scripture and just ask the question, what did they eat for breakfast? And what did they want to eat for breakfast? And we're also just going to talk about what life felt like for them in the hope that maybe we'll see ourselves in the story and we'll see a real God moving through real people. We're calling this the breakfast translation. A premise of this podcast is that breakfast is a way that we understand personality, that breakfast can reveal something about us. So instead of like giving our long biographies about who we are and what we care about and what our likes and dislikes are, I think we should just start with what we like for breakfast right now. So Keaton, you tell us, what's your go-to breakfast these days? Well, I like to pretend that my go-to breakfast is overnight oats. I got super into meal prepping and overnight oats seemed like a fun way to get into that. Uh, it's basically oats and then you can add in any of your fun favorite things, bananas, cinnamon. I do a lot of um, brown sugar with it. Does something happen overnight? And then something happens overnight. It gets super mushy and delicious, I suppose, is the, is the concept. And I like it. It's not for everybody, but it does require doing work ahead of time. So I was really good about doing that for maybe a month or so. And then I thought, um, instead of having to stir it, that's the thing that kept me from wanting to keep, continue it. It was the stirring was just one step too many. So I thought, you know what, I'll just put some granola and some fruit in a bag ahead of time so then I can just get up and go in the morning. And so that has developed into me having a box of Cheerios at my desk at work. That's <laughs> the extent of what okay. my breakfast is. I feel like that that really does reveal some things about you. Uh -huh. But for I don't want to I don't want to just say right away what I presume those things are. What yes. do you think that is reflected in that? I think it reflects a desire to have some sort of control ahead of time um, and then not really having the drive to keep it up. <laughs> well, that's, that's the big idea, right? This is built on this idea from Colin McCann, who writes novels, and he says he knows what all the characters want for breakfast, but he says not just what they have for breakfast, but what they desire, like what they, what they think their breakfast should be and like what kind of person mm -hmm. they should be, right? So you're, you're living that. Yes in yeah. your failure in my failure yeah yeah i kind of i kind of like the haphazard life that i'm living though cheerios like two-thirds of them make it my mouth the others are just scattered yeah across the floor <laughs> like, i'm getting things done <laughs> is that a, is that a dry cheerio that you're enjoying mm -hmm. mm. honey nut though well that's yeah yeah that's yeah, good for your fun. heart i'm still fun yeah yeah so you have low cholesterol that tells mm -hmm. a great us heart tells us something about <laughs> you all right um my go-to breakfast is a special K chocolatey delight. And I think it doesn't say a lot about me right now, but I think it does say it's partly serious because of the, is it bran? I don't know what you call like the flakes that's mm -hmm. just like cardboard cereal. Dirt. Right. It's dirt. <laughs> of the earth. Yeah, it's of dirt. The earth. <laughs> but like hardened yes. dirt. Yeah. But then every, you know, two bites, you get a little piece of chocolate like mm -hmm. a little bit like it's called chocolatey delight right and every every little bit there's something that makes you feel good about eating dirt mm -hmm. so um 
but I am, I do think that I'm kind of like faithful to a breakfast. So I will like, cause I don't want to have to overthink it. Mm-hmm. And so I'll just like pick a breakfast and go with it mm-hmm. um, for a while. And every, every third bite is something special. <laughs> that's, that's about how it works out. Uh-huh. Yeah. Every once in a while I'll try to like stack the deck uh-huh. and like stack up all the little, just have a little extra okay. chocolatey delight. But yeah, it's, it's hard math in the morning. Yeah. 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 I will say, even though I'm doing the um, lazy Cheerio thing during the week, the weekend, I am, the dial is turned up to 11, I think because of that lack of commitment to my breakfast in the morning. So yeah, every third day, I suppose, if you even out the week. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. fun. <laughs> yeah. And I think the, the idea of it is that there's something to be said about like the fresh start to the day. Like when you wake up, maybe that's like the purest version of yourself. And so whatever you choose to do in that moment says something about what you care about. Mm-hmm. So we're going to look at um, specifically breakfast in the Bible is kind of our idea. And the, the idea is to like look at these stories and sometimes it might be direct, like it might tell us what they had for breakfast that day. And that helps us to kind of like think about the kind of people that were in the stories. But sometimes we might have to like imagine like whether they're Pop-Tart people or whether they're barley bread people or what they would have done or whether they're people who would have been in a hurry that day, if they would have been under stress that day. And so our invitation to people is to kind of read scripture along with us that they might read the story and then use this like breakfast question to imagine what's really going on on the pages of these stories. We're going to start today for our very first episode with a story that comes at the end of the book of Luke. For most of this first season, we're going to be looking at the story of Acts. But Luke and Acts actually go together. I don't know. Keaton, did you know that before we started doing this podcast that Luke and Acts went together? You, yes, you did mention that to me because I had never read Acts before and you recommended maybe reading Luke as the preface would be a fun way to dive into that for the first time. Right. So when this is coming out, we're just coming off of Easter. And so hopefully maybe people have spent some time, if if there are people who are trying to understand the Jesus story, maybe they've spent some time thinking about the life of Jesus and the death of Jesus and then the life again. And so the story we're looking at is the end of Luke and it goes into this, uh, the account of Acts, which is right after the death and resurrection of Jesus, like what did people do? Like I'm kind of fascinated with that first generation of people who knew Jesus and loved him and lived alongside him for a while. Like what was life like for them in those initial days after his life? So that's what we're going to look at in Acts. But it is kind of important, I think, to think that Luke and Acts go together, that they are written by the same person, they're written to the same audience, and that a lot of the threads that are in the story of Jesus in Luke are picked up in Acts. And the idea is actually that the disciples are trying to do the same things they saw Jesus do. And so in some of the stories we'll look at, they're literally trying to just mimic the life of Jesus. And then sometimes they're trying to do something completely different that's still in the spirit of what Jesus would do. Now, what I think is kind of interesting is that we have these two pieces to the story, uh, but we don't have a third. And we are used to having trilogies uh, in our life. What's your favorite trilogy? Do you have a favorite trilogy, Keaton? Can you think of one that you like? I would say the Lord of the Rings, not the Hobbit series. I I didn't get into that, but the Lord of the Rings trilogy was special to me. 
Okay. I would have said Toy Story Mm. prior to them making Toy Story 4 because I thought that was a... Uh, No. Now I don't know what you call that. It's a quadruple. Mm -hmm. Is that what it's called? Mm -hmm. Quadrology. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the things I think is interesting about the fact that there's just these two installments and scholars kind of wonder if there's like a lost third book that Luke wanted to write. Uh, but in some ways, you could look at, like, Our Lives has the third installment of this trilogy. That you have the story of Jesus, and then you have the story of his very first followers. And then in some ways, we're supposed to be, like, the finish to the trilogy. Like, we're supposed to then go and do uh, what Jesus eating my Cheerios. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> this is me living yeah, out. Yeah, and we're just, we uh-huh. can't even get a, our breakfast act together, okay. right? But right. we're still supposed to be doing what Jesus did. Okay. And so... I wonder sometimes, you know, sometimes that third installment is what ruins the rest of the trilogy. It's lower budget. <laughs> That's right. And people are like, aren't you out of ideas? Uh-huh. You know, like I think of something like Back to the Future. Uh-huh. Like, because in some ways when you watch Back to the Future 3, it just cast a bit of a shadow over the beauty that is Back to the Future 1. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I wonder if we are the third installment of this story, has people trying to follow Jesus years and years later, there's a chance we could... I, I think it's sounding right so far. Yeah, we could wreck the first installment. Mm-hmm. Uh, or in the case of Toy Story 3, I would say it makes it more beautiful, mm-hmm. right? It, it gets richer and deeper and more expansive. Mm-hmm. And I think that people who are trying to follow Jesus today have that before them. And I... So one confession is that I don't really enjoy the Lord of the Rings. Okay, that's even okay. I, I think I'm supposed to. That's okay. I think I do because I I was supposed to from a young age. So maybe you just okay, didn't you were know. destined yeah. to it. It was yeah. your de- density. It was my destiny. Your density. Mm-hmm. That's back to the future <laughs> callback. Um, does the third installment of Lord of the Rings make it all worth? the hundreds of hours you put into watching the first two? I I would say yes. I think it's akin to the, I know you're a Harry Potter fan. It has a similar finale of uh, you need, you need all three. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then that's a, that's an idea in storytelling is that the end is the conceit that mm-hmm. it's at the end of the story that you figure out if it was worth your time. Mm-hmm. And so I think in some ways, when you think about the Jesus story, it's right now that people are deciding through other people or through the church if Jesus's story is worth their time so um anyhow that just messes with our idea of what is happening in Luke and Acts because it's not just a story that happened long ago part of why we're doing this fun little breakfast thing is because we think it should still matter uh now so the story we're looking at comes out of Luke 24 it's the very last chapter and there's not a whole lot of a narrative to it it's just basically Jesus Uh, who everybody thought was gone, who they saw breathe what they thought was his very last breath on the cross. Uh, They're all just trying to figure out, we gave three years of our lives to this guy, and we thought that he was going to change the whole world in front of us, and then we saw him put inside of a grave, and that's where they are. And then all of a sudden, at the end of Luke, he appears to them, and uh, there's lots more to this story. He, we see him meet Mary Magdalene. Uh, we see him on the road to um, Emmaus where he talks to some people who don't even know that they're talking to the, Jesus. And That's then the story, <laughs> right. Yeah. They're just like, Oh, it's you. Oh, um, you can kind of understand that. Have you ever just seen somebody 
out of context, like somebody you didn't expect to see somewhere. And then you have to keep talking as if you, you I think I know this guy. <laughs> yeah. And then it takes a while, right? Uh-huh. And it can be somebody that you knew really well, but just because you did not expect to see uh-huh. them in the aisle at Kroger that day. Right. Yeah. It takes a while. And that's a little bit of what happens on the road to Emmaus. But then Jesus shows up to his closest friends and they have questions about why this person they thought was buried is now in front of them. Mm -hmm. And it says that he kind of, he shows them like his body. He shows them his scars and his wounds. And then pertinent to us, they eat breakfast together. And not just any breakfast, but they're there beside the sea and they've gone back to their fishing life, right? This life they had before Jesus. It's kind of interesting to me that they're, they're like, well, I guess we just go back to fishing because we thought that this guy was the Messiah and he was giving us this whole new purpose. So they go back to fishing and they catch some fish and they have breakfast uh, on the side of the sea. And uh, so I think we just start with the breakfast, right? Like what is, because the idea is like, what does this tell us about them? Um, my first question is just, have you ever had fish for breakfast? I don't think I've had fish for breakfast. No. No. I am a, I am a fish eater, though. I do, I do indulge in the seafood, but okay. not, not prior to um, 11 a.m., I would say. <laughs> That's right. That's uh-huh. the cutoff time. It's just like uh-huh. McDonald's, right? Uh-huh. Like there's yes. a very clear line of when breakfast ends and mm-hmm. when it begins. Um, I have to say, I don't like fish at all. So fish in the morning sounds extra disgusting to me. Uh, I famously am a picky eater. So as we kind of talk about food through this series, it's going to come up sometimes that I just don't really like food. I enjoy the metaphor of food and I think it's super meaningful, but I don't actually enjoy it. So I was once in a situation like this. There wasn't a risen savior in front of me, but I was in a place where there was fresh fish. (laughs) Or maybe there was. And I just didn't have the eyes to see it that day. Uh, But I was in Chesapeake Bay, like in one of these restaurants where their kitchen is basically the the sea. And they're just pulling fish out and putting it on the plate. And but because I'm such a picky eater, I ordered chicken fingers. Mm -hmm. And I apologize to the server as I did that. Mm -hmm. Um, So. It is kind of interesting to me that they're just having fish for breakfast, that their diets allow for that kind of a palate. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, it's also super interesting that Jesus eats in this moment. There's a lot of speculation about what it means that he, as far as we know, he is physically gone. They even do things when he's in the cross, like they, they prod him with the spear uh, to check and make sure that he's... He, he's gone that his 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 body is lifeless he's in a, a grave for however many hours that amounts to three sundowns and and three sunrises and um and then he's there and there's this question like what is his body like what do you think this story tells us about what his body is like i feel like re- regardless of what is body is like there was something still so significant about him needing to eat whether or not his body needed that nutrients or not there was something about him being with his pals and it being a moment where eating meant something bigger than what his body physically needed at the time yeah I mean how often are we in a situation where it's like it feels so special that we need to we need to eat or drink something to like mark the moment Mm -hmm. right we do that at 
at weddings, it's like you have to have a food and a toast and all those things. Mm -hmm. There's something that makes it more real Mm -hmm. if you're sitting and drinking and eating with somebody. I always get an anxious belly right before Thanksgiving because I love food so much that I'm so nervous that I'm not going to be hungry whatsoever. So then when the time Thanksgiving rolls around, I actually I'm not hungry because I've been so nervous that I'm not going to be hungry. And yet, you know, I eat. (laughs) Of course, I eat. It's Thanksgiving and I'm with my family and my friends. That's right. That's what Uh you're supposed to do. Uh And you think about it like most of our holidays, there's some food or drink element, Mm -hmm. like whether it's candy at Halloween or Easter eggs or Mm -hmm. like ham and whatever else people eat for Easter. There's, mm-hmm. People eat stuff for Easter, right? There's something. Yeah, bunnies. <laughs> the oh. chocolate kind. <laughs> oh, okay, chocolate. Uh-huh. Not like your pet bunnies. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, but almost all of our meals, like, or all of our holidays have some kind of like food and drink element. And so, yeah, it does seem like this moment that Jesus wants to just go back to eating together because they do that so much in Luke. Uh, so much of Luke is about this idea of table fellowship that you, you, it's not that you are what you eat. It's that you are who you eat with. And so we're going to see that come into play a lot in the book of Acts that it's not just the eating together special, even though that's true. It's also that you're saying to something when you eat across the table from them. Um, I think, I don't know why we, I don't know why that is. Let's, let's speculate about that for a little while. One thing I think is that just eating together, uh, it's a little bit humbling. Mm-hmm. I'm not a good eater. I don't know about you. <laughs> you've, seen, you've seen me eat <laughs> pretty, pretty messy. That's right. It's, yeah. it's so embarrassing. Mm-hmm. I often have to like apologize to the wait staff uh-huh. for what they're seeing as you eat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there is something to that, right? Like having, getting something stuck in your teeth or like what your face looks like when you take a bite and how weird you might look. Mm-hmm. And just the like admission of like what you said with Jesus, he needed to eat. Like you're sitting down saying, I, I'm lacking something. I need something. I need sustenance. Um, some I need something to fill me up to keep me going like even though we don't say that out loud like we don't sit down and say I am weak I need food I am in need yeah yeah. (laughs) but that's a that's a piece of it Uh right is that we need food to keep going so there's something to just sitting down that is humbling and intimate um and that's also forever right that it there's all kinds of stuff about Uh, making oaths together in the old testament or in the hebrew scriptures they would if they made a promise or a vow or a covenant with another place they would often have to like have a drink like have a toast like Mm -hmm. and and mark the moment um with some kind of food or drink uh so i love this i also just love that like there's something kind of beautiful about the fact that they caught the fish like even though i don't enjoy fish i i love that idea that they intentionally needed breakfast that they, they went back to this thing that they knew when they were kind of rocked by the loss of their good friend. Um, I also, like, I can just imagine being by the sea and the sun coming up. And I feel like if we're there, we're going to, that's a good Instagram post, right? Like mm-hmm. eating a fresh meal by the sea with the sun rising. Mm-hmm. There's something to that. Um, I also, I just love, I love that about Jesus, that he needed to be with his friends but it also says something that food is forever, that there's a chance that food might be a thing that we enjoy for the rest of eternity. Mm-hmm. However, this all shakes out. We wonder sometimes like if there is a heaven and if we do stay, some essence of who we are is still who we are. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and will we still like maybe in your your heavenly version of yourself you will stir the oatmeal the night before <laughs> right and then you'll be able to enjoy I sure all so. that goodness mm-hmm. yeah and like every bite of special k chocolatey delight will have mm-hmm. chocolate in it and i won't have to do the math on it every single time um we don't want to spend a lot of time like with each story but our hope is that like just in 10 to 15 minutes we can kind of bring these stories to a little bit more life i wonder is there anything about this story because our hope is that if we understand that these are real people that they really did eat fish for breakfast that jesus himself really did his post-resurrection body still needed his friends and still needed sustenance and still enjoyed taste and flavor and beauty and goodness is there anything about this story that might change the way that we start the next day mm-hmm. well if tomorrow if i get the opportunity to eat fish for breakfast maybe i would and maybe that'll become a super special moment just got to be open to those opportunities i suppose yeah maybe the bible is telling us uh-huh. that you should eat fish for breakfast uh-huh. that mcdonald's should expand their their menu to include fish and in maybe not. in the morning meal yeah i don't i don't think so i don't feel like that's exactly mm-hmm. the application mm-hmm. um i think i do appreciate that god loves a good breakfast mm-hmm. like just that idea makes me feel somehow like god is with us mm-hmm. even when it's to grab something to go out the door that god appreciates a good a good set table uh, is important and i think the idea also that um God is, uh, God loves a good, like making a good moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so when we find a way to do that, um, we're doing holy and good work. So this is the premise. Every time we get together, we're going to look at a story in the Bible and we're going to start with breakfast has our lens that we're looking at the story through. We might include our own weird palettes our own weird opinions and our hope is that these stories would come to life for us. We're going to continue along. If you want to read along with us, we're going to be looking next week at acts one and we're going to see just what does it look like um, to eat breakfast, knowing that Jesus has risen in this story. They're eating breakfast, imagining that Jesus might be gone and then they get to visit with him again and see him again. So this breakfast is them realizing that resurrection is real. And if that's real, then you want something delicious to mark the moment. So as we keep going, what we're going to find out is what do they do when they now carry the burden of knowing that a guy can come out of a tomb? Uh, What do you eat for breakfast when you know that that's true? So join us next week on the Breakfast Translation.